0: Well, good morning again. Um, I'm going to invite you to pray with me in a moment. I need to clean up this uh, pulpit space here for a second. There we go. We're good. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you're a God who who creates, but you're also a God who speaks. We ask that you would give us ears to understand what you're speaking to us this morning through your word, uh, through a, a, a sinful and weak messenger, through ears, Father, and for all of us that are sometimes so hard of hearing. Help us, Father, to hear what you have for us this morning, to behold the beauties of this great grand story that you have written in our writing in history. Amen. Uh, So just two weeks ago, uh, I focused on what it means to be shepherd leaders, and so um, we were, you know, many, many of you, uh, if you were following along for the scripture reading, you're like, wait, what just happened here? I'm pretty sure I just heard that not too long ago. Um, well, yeah, it's the same exact scripture passage, um, because there's, just, there's so much uh, to say from this text. I mean, we could spend another four or five sermons on it, if we, I mean, really, just digging in uh, to so many great details. Um, but we heard Jesus' piercing words to Peter, feed my lambs, he said, tend my sheep, feed my sheep, and we heard that, that God actually values each of our individual stories, every individual narrative, um, your story matters. And, and I mentioned that you know some of us aren't really convinced, some of you maybe here this morning may be convinced that God doesn't, or that really nobody cares about your story. Not even just God. It ain't, nobody really cares. And you've never had a chance to tell it. You've never had anyone to, tell, to share it uh, with. And if that's you, I, I want to remind you that um, there's room for your story in God's story. It's a very big story, and, and you have a role to play in it if you'll learn to give up trying to create meaning out of life, and you'll look at what God is offering you. And so there's enough room for your story in God's story. That's kind of, that's the theme of part one. You can listen online to that. Part two happening right now in our midst. Part two. Um, And uh, today we're going to focus on that second part because, you see, um, our own story, your own story is not the most important or the only story in the world. Other people have stories too worth paying attention to. And so we've been reflecting uh, in this passage on parts of Peter's story. But that's Peter's story. Now, Peter's story is not necessarily my story, and it's not your stories. We all have different, unique stories. That's okay. God has made each of us different and unique. And so the second part is really to, to know the rest of the story. What is the rest of the story? The rest of the story is that even your own story is not your own. So look with me at verse 18. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. Verse 19. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Uh, on that stretch out your hands comment, uh, Jesus is, uh, not only knew the, the, the beginning of Peter's life, but now you know the origins, all his background um, as a fisherman. But now he's marking out the end of Peter's story. He knows everything about us. And so Jesus isn't talking about doing uh, yoga or uh, some mobility wad exercises, for those of you who've ever followed mobility wad, you know, just got to get down in that deep squat and do some stretches. Um, you know, he's not talking about that. Or, or even doing stretching when he gets old, you know, it helps with aging, it's an anti-aging thing to stay, stay limber. Um, he's saying, stretch out your hands, uh, referring to Peter being crucified like Jesus, wouldn't happen right away, of course. It would take about 30 more years. But as an old man, essentially, Peter was going to die a gruesome death, being nailed to a cross. And his story would end this way because Peter's story was not about him. Uh, Jesus says, if uh, you caught that at the end there, he says, follow me, you know, not follow your dreams or not follow your heart. But Peter, follow me. It's a call to discipleship. And so the second thing we see is your own story is only part of the whole story, of a bigger picture unfolding. It's part of this bigger story that's been going on long before any of us and is going to continue even after us few weeks ago, uh, I ran into a, a uh, fellow pastor that I hadn't seen in a lot of years. I think it was, gosh, it's been 10 years or 11 years since I've seen him. And, um, and life continued for him. <laughs> and, and, and actually, things have turned out really well. Um, still a pastor, still ministering. God is faithful. Um, God was working on his story even when we went separate ways. Had different stories. Uh, I met with another pastor too, and uh, there are plans to see another gospel centered church uh, happen in our city, which is pretty exciting. Um, as uh, one influential leader says, uh, he says, Church leaders should be uh, more concerned about reaching the whole city than about increasing their own tribe and kingdom. And so, I mean, news of, of more churches in the city is, is great stuff. It's exciting. Um, what, how's, how does a C.S. Lewis put it in the the Chronicles of Narnia, Aslan is on the move. Anybody remember that? Aslan's on the move. Um, You know, God is working. God is at work when we don't even see it. Um, So verse 20. Peter turned and he saw the disciple with whom Jesus loved following them. The one who also had leaned back against him during the supper and said, Lord, who is it that's going to betray you? Verse 21. When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, If it's my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Um, At one of the many weddings that we've been to recently, we've been to a lot of weddings. It's like wedding season or something, right? Um, So we were at at one wedding, and and my, my oldest son... Uh, he took a picture in a, in a photo booth with the flower girl. And what happened was we were, I guess, busy dancing and doing our thing. We kind of lost track of where our oldest went off to. He snuck off into the photo booth and started taking a bunch of pictures with all kinds of people. <laughs> but there's this one photo series. You know how they come in like little strips of three, three photos? There's one where he's there... Um, and, and in the progression of them taking pictures together, he sneaks his first kiss on the cheek oh, wow. with the flower girl. We have physical proof on our fridge of that happening. Yeah. Uh, but in the, the right upper corner, there's this really funny thing. Um, there's a third wheel. <laughs> there's our, our middle child <laughs> right there smiling very brightly, <laughs> happy that he's, you know, part of the team Calvin or whatever. Like, I don't know what's going on. It's, he's, just, he's just having a great time. And uh, I bring that up because, you know, G- John was following Peter and Jesus as like a third wheel in this, in this scene, trying to tag along. And I think uh, all of us can relate at some point in our life, uh, maybe even presently or in the recent past of, you know, unintentionally or intentionally, um, you know, being left out or, or, or kind of being that third wheel and put in that either awkward or hurtful situation of being a third wheel. Um, it does, you know, get at us even, um, even when we say, you know, ah, oh, my, my skin's so thick, it doesn't bug me, it never hurts me, nothing gets to me. Oh, it does. I mean, wouldn't be bringing it up if it didn't, right? It always kind of hurts. Uh, nobody wants to be left out on the baseball team, Right? Um, you want to be playing the game. Uh, nobody wants to be the third wheel. But there are no third wheels with Jesus. What about this man, says Peter? And, and, and to that question, what about this man? What's going to happen with John? You know, He's been following us after breakfast and after fireside chats, and we're on our like, beach walk talking, and John's right there. What about him? And Jesus says to Peter, you know, it's not your business to worry about John. You worry about the life I'm giving you. Don't compare yourself with John or with others. Now, what's interesting about this, John signals this to us, um, that, 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 that Peter had a problem with comparing himself with other people. He kind of got wrapped up in comparing... Uh, Instagram perfect pictures or comparing uh, other, other people with his spouse or the size of his house or how many people like him or how powerful he is even, where he sits, you know, in the, in the uh, number of the 12 even. So John calls us back in verse 20, calls us back to remember that night when Judas betrayed Jesus. It was in John 13, verse 23, and he, and he, and he quotes it, but why would, why would John do that? Well, it was Peter who signaled to John to ask Jesus, remember, he was reclining, and, and, and to ask Jesus, who is it? Who is going to betray you, Jesus? Who among us will do it? And John's pointing out that, that Peter has long had this comparison problem. The question for us is, do we, do you, do I, find ourselves... Constantly comparing my story, my life, my opportunities, my place even, with other people around me, with what people are doing, what people, what people are getting, what people are buying, or how they're living. It's a, a question for us. Verse 23. So the saying spread among the brothers that this, this disciple was not to die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die, but if it's my will that he'll remain until I come, what is that to you? Verse 24. This is the disciple who's bearing witness about these things and who's written these things, and we know his testimony is true. I mean, I, the reason we shouldn't compare ourselves with others is because each of us is to follow Jesus wherever he's called us with whatever we have. And so so for Peter, on the the one hand, for Peter, following Jesus meant martyrdom, crucifixion. Um, He would suffer a horrible death as an old man. For John, following Jesus would lead to a very long life, not cut short, but still in service to King Jesus. Dying of natural causes eventually. Um, we know he, he wasn't uh, uh, martyred. He, was, he faced exile, though. Um, he didn't die the, the gruesome death that Peter did, though. And so both Peter and John were, were greatly used by God. Uh, both of them contributed to the very Bible that we you know, hold in our hands. Uh, both of them were greatly used of God in 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 so many different ways. But they had different paths, different trajectories, different ways assigned to them. And so, I mean, we see here that there are different outcomes by following the same Lord. For some people, uh, Christianity, it might mean persecution. Others, it might mean physical death. Others might face job loss, some ridicule, higher risks. But for every Christian, for all Christians, following Jesus always means serving. It always means dying to self for the sake of Christ and for the sake of others. Always, if you're a disciple of Jesus. Because we think about the gospel message. In the gospel, Jesus gave up his own rights. Jesus gave up his own resources. He gave up his own freedom and his time and his entire life to save us. So each of us as disciples in this world must live out faithfully the life that God has given to you. Individually, uniquely, the life he's given. So that means contentment with what you have. It also means, too, that everything that you experience in this life, both good and both evil, comes from your faithful good Father's hand. That's a really hard one to hear. But when you start to own that, Will you start to really believe that about your life, Peter had a specific crucifixion that was destined for him towards the end of his life, Um, headed his way from his Lord. Often I think that we're so quick to talk about the blessed life that we have. Oh, life is so good, it's so blessed. Um, How good things have been going. And it's okay to say that. not saying it's not. But, 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 But it's also okay to just be honest and say when it's not going so great. It's okay to be the Eeyore of a conversation sometimes. To be that, ah, oh, buzzkill of a conversation. You just ruined my happy life narrative movie. Uh, why did you have to bring that up? My day was going so great till I talked to you. Um, it's okay to do that um, because the thing is, it's your story. It's your story. And each of us has to be okay with the, God, the story that God is, is scripting in our lives. Um, you know, thinking about this specific point, um, you know, I, I think about the specific chronic pain that I've been dealing with recently. And, and Nobody else has that unique pain. Like, nobody else gets to have that pain like I get to have. <laughs> um, uh, it, you know, it's, it's unique. Um, you know, God is not just a sign that the beautiful children that I get to raise, but also, you know, the, 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 the challenge even of sometimes wanting to type, um, you know, some chronic pain going on. Like, that is actually uniquely designed for me. Interesting to think about. Think about it in that way. It's part of my story, though. It's unique. What's your story? What's unique about your life? I love how one author puts it in a different way. He writes this. God has given to each of us a, a specific gifts, inclinations, talents, and opportunities. We are not unlimited. Our future is not whatever we want it to be. And we're not able to become whatever we wish. Yet instead of limiting us or confining us, all of this is for our good and the good of others. The gifts and opportunities we've been given are to be used not merely for our private advancement, but for the public good. If somebody has meager gifts and opportunities for advancement, that is beneficial for the whole body. After all, if everyone wants to be ahead, there can be no feet or hands Side note, or bottoms, right? That was like an old sermon, come on. (laughs) Nobody remembers that, it's all right. First Corinthians, all right. Um, But the sheep needs shepherds, and the shepherds need the sheep as more than heads for them to count to measure their success. The young convert and the elderly need each other. We can only be enriched by fellow saints from other races and cultures. The rich need the poor, both need the middle class, and we all need each other, end quote. I mean, think about how freeing that is, though, just to think about the individuality and the corporate you know, nature of that as well, um, but how freeing it is. You know, that, that, that We can be free to give up the gimmicks. We can be free uh, to stop the, the charades, the facade. Um, it's freeing to know that I can just be me. The me that uniquely God has made me to be, um, and that we don't have to try to fit in someone else's shoes. We don't have to be who we're not. But you can be you. So that means I, I mean I can be an ordinary sheep, an ordinary disciple of Jesus. I can be an ordinary pastor. I can be an ordinary husband and, and father to my children. We can be ordinary like that because we have an extraordinary shepherd king leader named Jesus who knows what we need better than we do, what we want better than we do. And so it's freeing news to hear that God does not need me, but we need God. And God not only made us for one another, for other people, uh, but he's made us in such a way, he has built us in a way that, that we actually can't obtain happiness, can't have real joy apart from being bound up in people's stories, the lives of other people. So for example, when somebody else is suffering um, and, and, and they come to you, and you hear what's going on, I mean, that affects you, right? I mean, it hits you, and you're, and you're, you're, you're bearing the burden, you're sharing in, in grief, and also, you know, conversely, when something great's going for somebody, I mean, it's a new job opportunity, a lot, lot of stuff's going well, you know, it doesn't matter how bad or how good your day is, you hear that, you're going, man, this is awesome. Like, I'm, I'm rejoicing with you. I see that joy. I'm excited to see that and to share in that with you. Um, with Jesus' earlier three questions to Peter, we see that the true love of God is love of his church and love of our neighbor. You know, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me, Peter? Then love my sheep by taking care of them. And so, I mean, the, the, the Bible clearly tells us that, that love for God is love of others. if you love me, feed my sheep. If you say that you love Jesus, uh, you can shout that at the highest mountaintop. We were pretty high up in the mountains uh, this weekend at the church retreat. Um, you You can get as high as you can go, and you can shout, I love you, God. But if you don't really love people, the people that God has put around you, you don't really love God. If you don't love his church, it's a lie that you love God. And I think um, this is going to be a little hard for us to hear uh, because, first of all, where we are located in terms of uh, just being Americans, uh, so the country we live in, but also the, the specific place that we live in, where we find ourselves located in sunny Southern California. During uh, stormy and cold weather, okay, Uh, everybody wishes they were us, right? See smiles, come on. Yeah, everybody wishes they were us. We post up a picture of the sun, you know, dreading, oh, what a horrible week. It's sunny in 75, you know, snap post. All your East Coast friends coming out, what? Right? Um, So we tend to think that this is where it's at. Uh, the truth is, though, we're not as important as we tend to think we are. Let's, let's also like, let's take a different aspect of life. It's like, yeah, sure, we got the weather. But who's got the pizza, man? We don't have the pizza. Like The pizza is not very good here. It's just not. Like You got to go to the East Coast. You got to go all the way to uh, Naples, Italy. Then you can get some good pizza. Like, that's the good stuff. They know how to make a pie. I bring that up. a silly illustration, whatever. But, but just to point out that, that 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 we are not the most important character in this story. We are not the main character. We're not the Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolies of our life movies. Uh, none of us can lay claim to what one character in a movie, as an actor, he says, uh, "I don't read the script. The script reads me." You know. Um, And it's like, no, dude, the the script precedes you, and it's written, and it goes after you. Like, you're not writing this script out. Somebody else is. Such that, you know, Peter's own story, you know, it's a script that that ended ended in his crucifixion. He didn't write that story for himself. God wrote that for him. The story that happened and, and has been told and will be retold again until the end of time is about this God who created a beautiful world and we made an absolute mess of that world. Hating God, hating neighbor. And, and, and so, so page after page of this story um, unfolding is about this God who so loved this rebellious, spiteful world that hated him, that he so loved that he gave his son, his only son which we heard last week, Genesis 22, so beautifully from Jeff. It's a God who's so loved that Christ, in Christ he died. A God who's so loved that in Christ he rose. A God who's so loved that he will come again. And it's this, this, this large story, this big picture, this grand story that, that it's not up to us anymore. We can be li- We can be free to live in the story that God is writing for us. And this is a good story, no matter where the plot turns with the twists and turns that it has in your life. Because ultimately, if you're in Jesus Christ, if you believe in Christ, in the end, God is writing a story for you that does have a happy ending. We know how the story ends, and it's a good story. Um, for a moment, I wanted to ask a few diagnostic questions, um, and we have in our community groups, I believe uh, many, many of our community groups are going to be covering some of these questions. So if you'd like to be part of a community group, please um, get plugged into one. But first question, um, ask yourself, when I'm with others, am I really with others, or do I think that others are with me? There's a difference there. Another question. When I'm talking to someone else, am I concerned with them hearing me or do I take care to hear what they're telling, what they're saying to me? Um, Just reflecting on that, Jesus left his ruling story uh, to become part of our story as, as, as rulers and as kings to become a servant. And so Jesus, you know, he didn't live by his narrative, but he, he lived by every story given to him from the Father. Jesus was so concerned for us, how can we not be concerned with others? Um, really, the, 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 the only possible way for us to... to um, To get out of ourselves is by entering into the stories of others around us and the story of God and Jesus Christ. I wanted to bring this up really quick. Uh, Has anybody ever watched the cartoon show Animaniacs? Yes, a couple people. All right, awesome. It's an older one. Um, I grew up with that one, and sometimes my mom and I would watch it. It was was a good one. Um, We just laugh our heads off, basically. It's what it came down to, so if you ever want to watch that one, just go for it. Animaniacs, it's fun. Um, very clever. Uh, so there's one episode, it's called Chairman of the Board. And uh, does anybody catch that double entendre there? Chairman of the Board. B-O-R-E-D, not B-O-A-R-D, right? <sighs> so Yakko, Wacko, and Dot, they're uh, the kind of the main characters of, of most of the Animaniacs stories. And, uh, man, they're absolutely tortured by the longest, most boring, gruesome talk monologue of their lives because it's Ben Stein, (laughs) the voice of Ben Stein, Bueller, you know, like (laughs) that Ben Stein, same guy, I mean, sure, he's got some other movies and stuff, but come on, I mean, it's it's just, come on. Uh, so they're, they're trying to pull, and they're, they're prying, and I think Wacko's chewing, I think they're all chewing their arms off, like literally, you know, trying to get away from them. And every time they, they hide themselves in, you know, the Warner Brothers Tower, they lock themselves in the deepest dungeon, and what, like they go everywhere, right? And they finally try to get away. They're like, I think there might even be an outer space in what, at one point. And he's always there, and he keeps going on in this long monologue. They just can't get away from it. Can't put an end to this thing that never ends. I bring that up because all of us have to ask the question, is that me when I'm talking to other people? Right? I mean, is it always my story? Is it my life, my narrative? Or am I able to share in and appreciate the stories of other people? Am I able to see this grander, larger, more beautiful story that's, that's bigger than all of our little lives? That, as Dorothy Sayers once put it, is the greatest story ever told. Can I, can I see that bigger story? I think the only reason the gospel can be good news um, for me is, is that it's a story that's ultimately not about me. It's a story that's all about Jesus. It's this announcement about what God has done and is doing to reconcile sinners like like Peter, like James, like John, like King David, like Father Abraham, many sons and all those other sons. All these different people from all over the world throughout all time reconciling sinners to himself. I think because this story... It's a story that's all about Jesus. It's why it can be good news for me and for others and for you. Um, God doesn't need any one of us. It's an interesting thing to think about. But because of that, because he doesn't need me to get the job that he wants done, because the story is big enough to include other people's stories, a whole bunch of people, in the world to make Jesus known. Well, That's exactly where and exactly why I think our short stories matter so much. Because Jesus is the central character in this great story, uh, the more we give up writing our, our own scripts, our own narratives, our own focus, and we refocus on the story that God is telling in Christ, in his scriptures. The more we pay attention to that story unfolding, I think God will actually include us and cast us in this story, in the greatest story ever told. And then our stories matter. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you're a God who is not at all like us in many ways, and yet you became like us in your Son, yet without sin. You entered our story that we were writing for ourselves, and you wrote for us a better story in Christ one that's actually good news, one that ends well, that doesn't end in destruction, that doesn't end badly. And so, Father, we thank you. We thank you that you've given us your word. We thank you that you've given us this wonderful Savior, this beautiful Lord, who's calling us, even now, out of our stories into your story putting us into a wonderful narrative that's so good, that says that we are forgiven, that says that we're freed, that says that we do have meaning, that values our life, and that values the lives of our neighbors around us, Father. Thank you for that story. In Christ's name. Amen.